You're listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au. You'd like to open your Bibles this morning to John chapter 8, starting at verse 28. We're continuing on through our look at John's Gospel. One of the great cries of humanity is the cry for freedom. No one likes to be oppressed and to be forced to serve another master, especially if that's a foreign master. But for most of human history, and for most of the human race in every age, freedom has been a pipe dream. It's been an illusion. It's been a mirage. And yet the thought of freedom is something that stirs the human heart like almost nothing else. You might think of Mel Gibson's cry in the movie Braveheart where he cried out, and I can't do the accent and the voice, but they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. Or Patrick Henry, hoping to stir the people of Virginia to join the American War of Independence back in 1775, who said, give me liberty or give me death. Or maybe the Greek playwright Euripides, who two and a half thousand years ago pen the oft-quoted line, I'd rather die on my feet than live on my knees. The mere thought of freedom stirs people to great acts of courage and a personal sacrifice to either gain it or maintain it. The idea of freedom has inspired songs and movies and novels and life-changing and world-changing protests. In 1984, one of my favourite Bands, the British ska band The Specials, released a protest song entitled Free Nelson Mandela. It was a a successful attempt attempt to draw attention to the unjust imprisonment imprisonment of Nelson Mandela in South Africa. That's back in the apartheid days. It's a great song. If you've never heard it, look it up on YouTube. The Specials, Free Nelson Mandela. In 1987, there was another, there was a movie released and uh, Uh, related to the apartheid regime as well, called Cry Freedom, a movie about the black activist Steve Biko. And uh, these things were meant to draw attention to unjust imprisonment, oppression, the lack of freedom so many people have. Freedom is one of the things that, the few things that people will willingly risk their lives for. In fact, the United States of America was founded on the principle of freedom. Freedom from oppression, freedom to determine your own destiny, freedom of religion, freedom of speech. It may be the only nation on the planet whose founding documents were carefully crafted to provide freedom for its citizens. The outworking of that freedom is, of course, we know, far from perfect. Ironically, the country that was founded on a cry for freedom is wealthy and powerful today, to some degree at least, on the back of slaves. But the very idea of freedom is one of the reasons why the United States is willing to risk the lives of their own citizens to defend the freedom of other nations. Freedom is that important. And most Americans recognise that freedom is not free. Freedom comes at a cost, and often that cost is life itself. 
And we're sickened by the thought, and we should be, of the occasional news reports that we hear of uh, people that have been uh, captive in slavery and forced servitude. Just recently, there was a report of a couple in the suburb just next door to ours who had enslaved a woman for eight years in their home, forcing her to work up to 23 hours a day for the princely sum of a little over $3 per day. Her imprisonment only came to light when she got so sick that she collapsed and they had to take her to hospital. She weighed 40 kilos when she got into hospital. She had sepsis and she showed signs of physical abuse. Now we should be horrified and disgusted to hear reports like that and we should be demanding the freedom of people caught like that and that their captors are brought to justice. But tragically, there are much worse examples than that of slavery all around us. And they're just as hidden from sight as this poor woman was for eight years. There are more people today, men, women and children, enslaved around the world than there ever has been at any point in human history. And they all long for freedom. If you've been locked up for committing a crime then the bars on your cell are a constant reminder that your freedoms have been taken away from you. It's also strangely true that few people recognise the other chains that keep them imprisoned. In fact, not only do we not recognise them, often we consciously deny that we are in chains. Cigarette smokers and alcoholics are a good and an obvious example of that. I'm not addicted, they would say. I do it because I enjoy it. I can give up any time I like. Yeah, right. Just try. We'll see just how tight those chains really are when you try to give it up. We have plenty of other captors too, but we'll get to those shortly. Firstly, let's read our text today. John chapter 8, starting in verse 28. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. And that I do nothing of my own authority, but I speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We're the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say that you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. We like to think of ourselves as free. After all, we live in a relatively free nation. For the most part, COVID restrictions permitting, we can get about our business unhindered. The government doesn't interfere too much with our daily lives. We can choose what to read, what to watch, to listen to. We can choose where to shop, what to buy, what to spend our money on. We even have some choice, depending of course on our market forces and our skills, in where we work. And we get to vote for any candidate we like come election time. So we have a large degree of freedom in this nation. But we are personally enslaved 
psychologically and emotionally by so many things. Many of them we don't even realise are our slave masters. I've mentioned a couple of the obvious ones, cigarettes and alcohol. While both are legal from a certain age in this nation, both are in, and both are also socially acceptable in the right situations, both have the power to enslave us. I worked for a time in a rehab facility many years ago. The organisation I worked for had a small farm with live-in facilities for the people we were trying to help. Over the years, a number of youth and men passed through the facilities there. All of them had stories that were heartbreaking. Drug addiction, mental illness, homelessness, alcoholism, violence... They were all subject to problems that dominated and controlled their lives. In many cases, their problems stemmed from abuse and rejection and abandonment that they'd suffered early in life, usually at the hands of those they trusted the most. So they learned to suppress the pain by drinking or taking drugs, sleeping around, fighting with others, and more things. Eventually... As their lives spiralled out of control, they realised they needed help and they reached out to us. We were able to provide them with limited help. We'd get them out of the destructive environment that they lived in and, and bring them into a supportive and encouragement home. We had a number of homes and houses and units on the property that they could live in. They'd learn relational skills and practical skills, gardening skills, building skills and even homemaking skills that would set them up to be able to live independently once they got back out into the world. The support we provided for them included things like taking them to counsellors and AA meetings. If you're not familiar with AA, that's Alcoholics Anonymous. It's a gathering of people whose lives have been ripped apart by alcohol. They meet to support each other and to help each other to get through just another day, in some cases just another hour, off of the booze. Or to encourage someone to give up the booze. An AA meeting is both inspiring and tear-jerking in each equal measure. To hear the stories of hopelessness and destruction that their addiction has caused is heartbreaking. To see the welcome and the unconditional support that they give each other is uplifting. But there's no magic bullet to solve their problems overnight. It's a long, hard road to recovery. And the first step to recovery is admitting you have an addiction. Admitting you're in bondage. If you were to ask any one of them in the months or the years before they came to us for help whether they thought they were a slave to anything, I'm sure they would all say no. They'd probably, be, probably declare, just like the Jews did in our passage today, we've never been enslaved to anyone. But even the most determined to declare their independence eventually have to not acknowledge the truth when their lives fall apart. The Jews would have if they weren't so intent on arguing with Jesus. After all, their history was one of bondage and captivity to other nations. Egyptians, Philistines, Assyrians, Canaanites, Babylonians, Medo-Persians. It seems like almost everyone in the Middle East had ruled over the Jews at some stage. And even while they were protesting their freedom to Jesus, they were living under the iron fist of the Romans. 
Sometimes our bondage is so glaring that we refuse to acknowledge it, in spite of all the evidence to the contrary. What a strange creature is the human being. But of course, the gospel of Jesus Christ has a cure. The gospel can set free from bondage to addiction of any sort. There may be temporary cures available in the world, and they're, they're good, they're necessary, they're needed at this time. But those cures, while as helpful and important as they are, don't deal with the root issues that led to the bondage in the first place. Addictions come in many forms, not just alcohol and cigarettes, or illicit drugs, prescription drugs. The more subtle addictions and the resultant slavery can be caused by any number of things. A lack of purpose in life, for example, often results in a sense of hopelessness and apathy and a lack of motivation. If you don't know what to do with your life, you tend to just drift around uninspired and indecisive. Nothing really satisfies, which just adds to your despair and the lack of drive. The gospel has a cure for that. The gospel can set free from this sense of lack of purpose in life. But the cure is only available to those who know the truth that will set them free. Many people live under the slavery of rejection. Whether it's rejection by family members or classmates at school or teammates at the footy club, rejection can be found almost anywhere. And it can lead to extreme behaviours. You may choose to isolate yourself from other people, cutting off contact with everyone to avoid any risk of future rejection. Or you may submit to the most humiliating and degrading abuse in the vain attempt to win someone's affection. Neither are healthy responses. But in the, the gospel of Jesus Christ has a cure. Another bondage we often live under is the fear of failure. Maybe the fear of disappointing someone important or a fear that we won't measure up even to our own standards. It's not an uncommon bondage amongst Christians. We know we're to obey God. We know we are to do his will. But what if we can't work out what his will is for our life? How do we know whether to take this job or that job? Should we go to the mission field? Or should we study for the ministry at home? Or should we just go into a secular workplace? Confusion and paralysis are often the result of this fear of failure, of making the wrong decision. We don't know what to do and we're frightened of making the wrong choice, so we don't end up doing anything. It's part of the reason why so many Christians chase after the so-called prophets to get a word of direction for them, from them for their life. And you only need to look in the self-help section of any bookstore to see the sense of low self-worth is a bondage to so many people. It's a profitable business to be in. It's a booming business to be in, writing self-help books and selling self-help books to people about how to be a better you how to have more friends, how to feel good about yourself. Ultimately, all these books are destined to fail, of course, because though all, all they do is apply band-aids to the disease. None of them correctly diagnose the cause of the condition. And the cause of the condition is that, at heart, we are all rebels 
and enemies of God. We all live under his just condemnation. Now, not many people realise this. It's the reason why they seek solace and cures in pop psychology and self-help books and, and motivational speakers. But ignorance of your illness doesn't protect you from the symptoms or the result of your illness. It just allows you to remain blissfully or even willfully unaware for a bit longer. Now, every human being does have value. Don't get me wrong. Don't imagine that I'm saying that all human beings are worthless. We have value simply because we have all been created, every one of us, in the image of God. That gives us value. It's one of the reasons why, for the most part, Christians oppose abortion and the weirdly named euthanasia, which literally translated means good death. Both attempt to destroy God's very good creation. For the fact we're made in God's image doesn't change the fact that we're also, thanks to sin, a stench in the nostrils of God. But again, the gospel has a cure. Loneliness too will lead people to do almost anything to gain acceptance. We all want to feel like we belong somewhere. Somewhere to something, to someone... So we can be tempted to join in with whatever our friends are doing, whatever behaviour, no matter how bad or illegal or degrading it may be, just to feel like we have acceptance. There are plenty of other bondages, of course, plenty of other traps that take away our freedom. Most people think of their bondages as freedom, which is really strange. But they all lead to destruction. For some, it's the pursuit of pleasure. Drugs, sleeping around, thrill-seeking, porn, you name it. People claim them as freedoms, but they're really bondages. They all, to a greater or lesser degree, bring, bring us into bondage and slavery. Then, of course, there's the big ones from a Christian perspective. Guilt and shame and condemnation and, of course, sin. Sin is the root of all the bondages, every single one of them. The first thing Adam and Eve did, you'd remember, when they sinned was to hide in shame and to try to cover over their guilt with fig leaves. Don't know if you've noticed, but fig leaves don't make very good clothing. They're not tough enough. They're not warm enough. They get dry. They go brittle. They turn to dust in a short time. Fig leaves don't make very good clothing. That's why Target, Target and Kmart don't sell clothes made of fig leaves. And all our efforts to cover over our guilt and our shame are destined to last just about as long as clothing made of fig leaves. All our self-help books, all our motivational speakers, all our psychologists, all our visits to counsellors, even our attempts to turn a blind eye to our guilt and our shame is destined to fail. They're all fig leaves covering for a short time and a short time only our shame. It's the way God has designed it. We can protest as loud as we like that we have nothing to feel guilty about, that we are proud of our freedom, our freedom to sin, that we're not ashamed of it. 
But all it all eventually rings hollow. All of these bondages are meant to wake us up. They're meant to wake us up to our fallen condition, to our brokenness, our weakness, our failure. And they're designed to make us seek relief, to seek escape from bondage, and to find a cure for our brokenness. And the cure is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's only found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 8.31, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Freedom starts with admitting our ignorance. No cure for any disease is effective if we don't acknowledge we have the disease to begin with and if we don't get a diagnosis for it. We might imagine all sorts of possibilities, but until the disease is diagnosed, we just don't know how to treat it. That's why Jesus warned in verse 34, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Do you practice sin? Be honest. Do you never tell a lie? Do you never have a lustful thought? Do you never get jealous of someone else's success? Do you never pirate a movie or break the speed limit? Do you always help the less fortunate and give generously to worthy causes and remember your mother's birthday? Do you regularly read the Bible? Do you pray, go to church, do you worship? You know the answer. Jesus says, sin makes you a slave. A slave at heart, even while you may enjoy the greatest physical freedoms. But he invites you to be set free. If the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. There's no release from bondage while we're ignorant or in denial of our condition. And ignorant of the cure. The Apostle Paul has a damning indictment on humanity in the opening letter of his chapter to the Romans. He says in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Just looking around at creation should tell us that there is a God, a powerful and a divine God, who rules over all of that creation. But creation tells us nothing about salvation. It tells us nothing about freedom from bondage. In fact, creation itself groans in bondage, Paul writes in Romans chapter 8. It tells us nothing about grace. That's why we need his word. That's why the Bible is so important, it's so necessary, so precious. The Bible is the only place we see and hear Jesus speak clearly today.
So firstly, we need to hear his word. And we need to believe his word. Not like it says that the Jews back in verse 30 did. The depth of their belief was so shallow that the very first thing they did when he replied was to argue with him. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, Jesus said. I'll talk more, God willing, next week about what it means to abide in his word. But for now, understand that it means much more than just mere mental assent to the existence and the importance of Jesus Christ. Abiding in his word means to live in it, to let it surround you, to find shelter in it. It's an ongoing relationship, not a short-term fling. More on that next week too. And that abiding begins to work a change in us. Just like the alcoholics and the homeless that we used to care for on the rehab farm, it's not an instant and an overnight cure. It takes time. That's why we need to abide. Romans 12.2 talks about the need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation is a slow process. Frustratingly slow. Have you ever tried to diet or get fit? It takes time. And it takes sticking to your diet and your exercise program. Freedom from spiritual bondage is just like that. You have to get on the program to begin with. Nothing happens if you don't get on the program. And then you have to stick with it. You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. When you abide. Or as a friend of mine likes to say, it's the truth you know that will set you free. That's why it's so important that we get into the word of God. If you don't know it, it won't benefit you. Bishop N.T. Wright says, Tyranny and slavery of every sort thrives on lies, half-truths, evasions and cover-ups. Freedom and truth go hand in hand. That's why we need to know truth. But what are the benefits of knowing truth? What are the benefits that the gospel offers us? If your bondage is a lack of purpose in life, the gospel tells us that Jesus Christ saves us by his grace for a purpose. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2.10 If rejection, <coughs> rejection is your slave master, the Bible tells us that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Ephesians 1.4 And Hebrews 13.5 says, He has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. There's the cure for rejection. If you live in constant fear of failure, Romans 8.28 We know that those who love God, all things work together for good. Not just the good things you do, even the bad things you do, the mistakes you make, the sins you commit. For those who love God, all those things work together for good to achieve God's good purposes. If low self-worth is your bondage, 
John fifteen sixteen, Jesus said, You didn't choose me, I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that when whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And John wrote in his first letter, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Maybe loneliness is your captor. God has caused the lonely to dwell in families, it says in the Psalms. He leads prisoners into prosperity, but rebels live on parched land. And Ephesians 2.19 tells us, So you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. And of course there's the big one, guilt, shame, condemnation and sin. Romans 8.1 There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Interestingly, a non-Christian has said profoundly, true freedom is always spiritual. Amazing the insight non-Christians sometimes have. It has something to do with your innermost being, which cannot be chained or handcuffed or put in jail. If the truth sets you free, then your physical circumstances will become less important and less controlling. You can be locked in prison, yet rejoicing in your freedom. I remember hearing a South American evangelist once telling the story of a pastor who had been sent to prison for, I think from memory, it was embezzling money or something like that. And uh, in one of the toughest prisons in the country, amongst all the murderers and the gang leaders and the rapists and everything else, and in prison he repented of his sin and started praying. And he was locked up with the hardcore prisoners because they knew he was a Christian. They didn't want him to have an easy time in there. So he started praying and he started witnessing to some of the other prisoners. And eventually one of them got saved. So they would meet together and pray and read the Bible. And another got saved. And another got saved. And they had enough that they formed a church. And on a Sunday morning, they would meet and hold church and preach the Bible. And then more got saved. And more got saved. And it got to the point where the whole wing of the prison became a Christian wing. Every murderer, every rapist, every gang leader in that wing were Christians. There were hundreds of them your prison, your physical circumstances. Don't constrain what God can do when he sets you free. He can bring freedom in the heart of the deepest, darkest <coughs> prisons. If the, truth set, if the truth sets you free, then your emotional problems will fade away too. You will have purpose. You will have acceptance. You do have acceptance. You have value, you'll bear fruit, and even 
God, God will use even the bad stuff you do to fulfill his purposes. And best of all, when the truth sets you free, you will no longer die in sin. All of these benefits are there for every person who puts their trust in Jesus Christ. But you won't realise it if you don't know his word and if you don't abide in it. Now to some extent, we're all captive to sin. Up until the day we die we will be. Try as we might, we still fail, we still fall and we still sin. But we can turn every day back to the loving and the welcoming arms of our Saviour. We can come before a holy and a pure and a perfect God with confidence, no longer as slaves, but now as sons. The slave does not remain in the house forever, Jesus said, but the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. John wrote in his first letter, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. And by this we come to know, we, we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments, if we abide in his word. Jesus didn't come to provide psychological help or political reform or even to raise social awareness. You could live in the most free nation on earth and still be in bondage to your fears, your worries, your guilt and your sin. You can ban alcohol like they did in the 1920s in America. You can provide counselling for every single person. You can give everyone a home and a car and a good job. And still, unless they're transformed by the Lord, you will die in your sins. The good news is that Jesus provides the remedy. Not just that he provides the remedy, Jesus is the remedy. He's the remedy for every sin that would keep us in bondage. 1 Peter 1.18 tells us, You were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. With the precious blood of Christ, like a lamb without blemish or spot. When you are ransomed, when you are purchased, when you are set free do you realise the value of the blood that was shed to set you free it was the precious blood of the only righteous one thanks for listening to City Edge Church for more information go to cityedgechurch.com.au